Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Get Out of Wrap. Today, I'm joined by Lucy Child, who is the strategy lead for customer care at The Very Group. Hello, Lucy. Hi, Martin. How are you? I'm good, thanks. We've just been having a good chat beforehand. So again, I always think maybe I should hit record without you knowing just as soon as you as soon as you come on. <laughs> I think, yeah, that would have been great. Actually, we've, we've covered a lot already. <laughs> yeah, thanks, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Let, so one of the um, things when we were talking about what to cover and there's some lovely topics that you suggested, and you used a phrase I really like. I think it's even a podcast name, isn't it? It's squiggly careers. So let's start with your squiggly career. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yes, there's definitely a book, isn't there, which uh, which I've got on my shelf about squiggly careers. And I think it's a perfect description for mine. So um, I'm actually really, really new to the world of, of contact centres, relatively speaking. You know, I know a lot of people who work in the industry have, have kind of been in it for, for most of their career but I actually started um, with an archaeology degree which is very um, random but was was a choice I made because I was really obsessed as a kid with things like myths and legends and and then that developed into a, a love of, of particularly like classical Greek architecture sound like a real nerd don't I but love it though love, I love that <laughs> love Greek architecture, love Greek um, sculpture and um, I was kind of faced with well do I go to university and do something like I don't know because I've done, I've done maths at A level do I do some kind of finance thing that's going to set me up for a great career or do I do something that I really love, love? Um, and I went down the really love route which um, <laughs> yeah which um, actually I you know I really don't regret I had a, a brilliant three years it, it was fascinating um, and but I think what it did do is crystallise. I probably didn't want to be an archaeologist because uh, I didn't really enjoy um, sitting in muddy trenches for days on end, um, endlessly drawing tiny fragments of things. You know, it wasn't quite what I'd had in mind. Um, but I think also what it did do was help me realise what was important in terms of a bit of you know job stability because you don't get that if you're an archaeologist. There's not really a kind of solid career path you, you kind of get short-term contracts and things like that and it made me think well you know maybe I um, should go and try and sort of find a meaningful job for a while get a bit of stability start earning some money um, and what I did do is I realised I was really interested in kind of understanding people um, and I got a great job after a few different applications for a few different things one of which was to be a store manager for a supermarket I wasn't successful with that one um, but then I got a job um, on a graduate scheme for a, a global market research agency which a lot of my friends were like what what on earth you're going to stand up on a street with a clipboard um, and there was a bit of that in, in the training but actually it was fascinating it was kind of four or five years of of really understanding how companies work and what they need to understand about their customers to I guess really uh, you know it, it was the start I suppose of people understanding how important customer experience was so we did a lot of things like website usability testing for for brands um, and, and things like that and it was it was great to work with some big clients um, and I just, you know, I got to really understand how to understand people and translate that into kind of what, what businesses should do with, with that information. Um, and then I suppose after that, I got to a point, you know, I, I think everyone gets this, don't they? The grass is always greener. So I saw people going off from the agency to work what we called client side. So going to do the same job, but, um, you know, commissioning agencies like us. And I did that for a brief period of time with, with Sainsbury's. And, and that was great. That was a learning curve. I, I have to tell you, going into that real kind of corporate world was like eye opening after a lovely supportive agency where you have this great team and you all pull together um, to deliver. And, uh, you know, there were hard, hard yards in the agency, like staying, staying until midnight sometimes, but getting the pizzas and the beers in and yeah. coming together to deliver for a deadline. Whereas you're thrown into the corporate world and it's you against everyone else. And it wasn't it was a learning curve, but probably wasn't for me ultimately. Um, and then just randomly out of the blue, I got contacted by um, a recruiter and he said to me, what, what would you like to do? And I said, well, do you know what I'd love to do what I'm doing now, but for 
a museum or a gallery or um, you know charity because I'd love to tie it back to my passion and my love for all things kind of you know historical cultural mm. etc and he kind of looked at me as like mm, I don't think many jobs like that exist to be honest um, they can't, probably can't afford to pay for that sort of role or, or you know they'd have contractors or what have you but you know we'll keep an eye out um, and then he phoned me back li literally about a day later going I don't know how this has happened. You, you must have manifested this because <laughs> I've just seen a job exactly how you've described um, for English Heritage. I was like, wow, okay, amazing. Um, applied for it and, and, and got it incredibly. It was a new role that they'd set up. There was a new marketing director had come in and had recognised the importance of that kind of role, of that mm. consumer understanding. Um, and I actually stayed there for, for 12 years, which um, was was great. You know, I, I learned loads. I got to have meetings in stately homes. I got to go to the solstice at Stonehenge um, and I got to help them, you know, with their ambition to grow their membership base. Um, and we got to over a million members while I was there, which was a real milestone. Uh, yeah, because the membership is so important to kind of fund the work that they do of, of they're slightly different to National Trust in that they have, they're kind of a, a, a place of last um, resort or last reserve. So they will they have a, a kind of ob obligation to look after and conserve places for the for the for the um, if you know for the for the country. So it was amazing to be able to do that, and they became more commercial while I was there as well, doing kind of more holiday lets and things like that. So yeah, it was a great it was a great twelve years. Um, but we moved, um, we, we moved back home to Liverpool uh, and I guess as well after you've been somewhere 12 years you're probably looking for a bit, bit of a challenge, something a little bit different uh, and I'd heard great things about the very group, I'd had a couple of people I knew worked there and what they told me about it was you know, it's a great local employer, it was a place where you could kind of come in but you would get a lot of opportunity if you wanted it to, to try something different, try something new um, so I applied for a customer insight role there and I did that for about four years, I think it was. Um, but during that time, um, I got the opportunity to work on, a, on a, um, a customer experience project. So we worked with an external consultant who brought some great kind of agile techniques in. And, um, you know, I, I, I really loved that. I loved that sort of ability to spot a problem and fix it for the customer and we were given that real autonomy to do that and it, I did some some great uh, kind of stuff through that um, then I went back to the original role which was the CI manager and was working on a project which was to really understand the customer and we did a kind of proper like long longitudinal online qualitative uh, panel and we produced some really insightful stuff about you know, why customers choose to, to use Very and the role that we can play in their lives. It's absolutely so fantastic to get that, that real depth of knowledge and insight. Um, and I had the privilege to kind of go around the business and share that with everybody so that, that they could understand how they could use that knowledge and insight about the customer in their own area to, to make things better. Um, and I, I presented that to our operations board and I actually thought it was a joke at first when when um, when the director said to me, um, everybody needs to see this. It's so powerful. It's so interesting. He said, um, how do you fancy a trip to South Africa? <laughs> I thought he was joking, kind of laughed it off. Um, but what came of that was me spending two weeks in South Africa, sharing that insight about our customer with our, our colleagues. So our colleagues who were taking the calls with our customers day in, day out. Um, and really bring it to life for them and I just oh my goodness I, I fell in love with South Africa I fell in love with the South African people and I fell in love with with contact centers and operations and and the rest is history I was like right I need to work in this team and um and, and I did uh, so shortly afterwards I, I applied for this role and, and was fortunate enough to get it and I've not looked back I feel like I am um where I've probably always supposed to have been it's just taken me 20 years to get here <laughs> so um so yeah that's the, that's the squiggle in a, in a nutshell what a lovely what a lovely career though and I think all the way through that <clears throat> your sort of passion for it for me it's like if you take away the word consumer and customer it's just understanding human behavior and why we interact with each other with 
brands with when we when we get things um i i love that and um it's interesting isn't it that uh when you talk about kind of insight and sharing it with a whole team i know from um my my background if you can make the activity tangible and based on what it does for people and their lives and feelings it makes your it makes the job of frontline people so much more meaningful because i think the danger is that you you start getting to the point where you treat customers as kind of passing things on a conveyor belt like in a factory mm -hmm. rather than where is your interaction with them in the day in their life and what does yeah. it do when they have finished that interaction how do they feel and for yeah. your work to be shared with with everyone i think is brilliant uh, it was it was so yeah it was so powerful and, and you, you're so right because I, I think bringing that connection um, you know to especially our, our colleagues over in South Africa and being able to kind of bring the day-to-day -day life of, of the customer to to life for them in a, a powerful way it was all kind of video kind of um, style and you, you know it, it was great to be able to share that you know why are customers so upset when the kids bike doesn't arrive for their birthday you know the the impact that that has on their life or you know actually how how critical it is if someone's washing machine breaks down and they've got kind of you know three or four kids and the, the washing machine the washing's piling up and they haven't got the cash right now to be able to buy a new one so our ability to kind of their ability to spread the cost and get one straight away you know the difference that that makes in a customer's life it it was just really yeah it, it was it was so powerful and I, I just feel yeah like you say just 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 me making it meaningful just really helps that that colleague to do their to do their job absolutely what was it about um south africa and the south african people that you kind of fell in love with Oh, it, it was just such a, a warmth and such an energy i felt from from absolutely like touching down in the in the airport you know and and it was it was everybody I came into contact with you know and it, it kind of felt weirdly you felt at home and people had kind of said to me oh oh gosh you're going to South Africa oh oh right you know and, and I think people were variously a bit a bit worried or they didn't understand or they'd heard you know they'd heard things um and and I kind of tried not to think about any of that and I got there with a bit of an open mind and and honestly from the minute I, I interacted with anyone I realized that that was all nonsense really it was just such a lovely place to be very very welcoming very warm and you know from the minute I stepped into the contact center as well everyone was just so so approachable and helpful and it was like being being at home, <laughs> even though you were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away from home. It very much, um, I don't know if, I don't know, I've got quite a, don't think I've got a very strong accent, but I'm a scouser and it felt very kind of the same sort of vibe as well that you get in Liverpool. Somehow really anyone will talk to anyone and anyone will welcome you and you'll find a connection no matter what your differences are you'll find something in common um I think my favorite moment was when some of the girls um took me under their wing and decided to teach me all of the all of the South African slang like what the words were for like um hangovers and things like that <laughs> I just I just loved it it was it was it was brilliant yeah. <laughs> yeah I remember being in Turkey and having a similar similar feeling and also a similar experience where the first things I were taught were um the, all the wrong let's say <laughs> Turkish words you know yes, everything right. came with a warning don't say this in a restaurant don't say this to our boss <laughs> okay <laughs> I think you feel like you've been accepted don't you yeah. when you have those conversations yeah. yeah and I also think we we spoke about this briefly before um we hit record was just around if you look back at because you prompted me to think about all of the guests that have been on if you think about how people have arrived, I think we should just really state now, like normalize that people arrive via different routes. And there is no kind of, you have to have been on the phones, you have to have uh, done this in a contact center to be able to have a voice, add value, excel in your role. People are right, isn't that what we love about the contact center industry? It's very inclusive. So it should be inclusive from a, a career standpoint as well. 
absolutely I love that take on it completely and and it's interesting because I don't think anybody ever made me feel like that in our team or or when I was when I was in South Africa I think it was me that came with that preconception of oh gosh I've not had that experience I've not I've got to google what AHT means or shrinkage means when someone mentions it in a meeting because I don't I don't know or even rap you know getting out of rap what does that mean um and but I think absolutely right people bring so many different varied um, abilities and, and things like that we, sh we should absolutely be so diverse in who we who we bring into our um you know into our world and, and so welcoming and accepting for sure and i and i said to you didn't i before as well i've even though i was started on the phones i've sat in meetings as a manager when someone's been explaining shrinkage and i've just been <laughs> nodding going yeah we definitely need to action that thinking i can't remember what it is <laughs> what is it again <laughs> no absolutely and everyone has their own little everyone has their own meaning for words as well don't they and your your shrinkage might be different to my <laughs> but no absolutely i still have to do it now don't don't tell anyone <laughs> i still have to do it two uh -oh. and a half years in <laughs> i have to google things and that's the thing there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that because we all we're all bringing uh, our own self and our own experiences to our roles and that's the beauty of it i think that we're that why we love being in this um, industry. And we touched upon something that I know you're very, you're very passionate about, and that is diversity and inclusion. Um, and what is it you, what did you set up at the very group? Um, yeah, so I set up, um, it's called WAVE, which stands for Women at Ferry. Um, and it's, so it's actually started as something and it's now become something slightly different. It started very much for me as, um, as a network as a place for women to to connect with each other to share challenges you know um, support each other seek advice feedback um, and I think the, the two overriding things I really wanted to get from it is I wanted us to broaden our network because I at the time as, as I was saying I, this is before I joined um, customer care I worked in in um, a fairly male dominated team um, so I wanted to broaden my network within the business I wanted to meet more women who were doing different roles and um, wanted to understand what those roles entailed and how they got there and I wanted to give other women the opportunity to do the same thing so I wanted to provide a way of connecting and I wanted to I guess um, be each other's cheerleaders that's the kind of phrase that we we landed on when we were trying to dis describe what we wanted to achieve from it um, and that's how it started and what it's it's still that it's very much that still now but what it's kind of turned into as well is a little bit of a um i'll say a little bit that's diminishing it very much a um an agent for, for positive change as well so not not just that support network but a but a sort of holding the mirror up to the business challenging um you know one of the things we've done re recently is we had um some listening groups with our members that we invited our exec um board into so they all attended a network a, a, a session um and listened and, and kind of understood what the barriers are to female talent and then they all came up with a um a, a commitment or a pledge that they shared as part of international women's day about what they'd heard which was in you know real a real step up from from being a network into a, a kind of network plus <laughs> if you like um so it's it's really changed in that two years and I, I set it up just before um just before lockdown really so we we kind of had a few things that were um in person we had a few few events and then most of it has had to be virtual which has proved quite challenging, but actually has pr provided us with some real, like any business, I guess, some real opportunity to do things differently and to think think about things from a different angle. Um, it's given us the opportunity to grow our membership um, from different sites as well that we have. Um, Laura, who looks after our contact centre in South Africa, she's been able to join. Um, we've got members now from our fulfillment um, operation down in the East, East Midlands. Um, but we've also been able to kind of connect with other people virtually as well. So it's it's really helped, but it has provided some challenges. And now in that whole, well, how do we make it now work in a in a hybrid way? But um, yeah, it's been it's been phenomenal. It's been such a 
such a great source of joy to me over the time, but also I've seen that that what it's done to help other people as well and to help connect. Um, one of the things we, we've done through lockdown, we started um, having what we call water coolers, where you can um, you can signpost that you're interested in a water cooler and every month you'll get matched with someone else from the network and you go off and have a coffee, virtual coffee with them. Um, so I think I think there's well over I think it's about 150 people now in the water cooler movement so you know every year every month sorry that's 75 conversations going on between two people who didn't know each other before who probably would have never met each other or come across each other before so so you know it's it's really become a bit of a movement right how did it um so you didn't really set did you this involvement from a support and a network to driving some positive change is that just a natural yeah. natural kind of um, addition like you say or did you have that in mind when you started um I think no I think I really had the, the connection bit in mind when I started really uh, the, the kind of connection the support the the the, the um the cheerleading aspect and I think the what's come of that it's almost been a natural evolution I think I think we as we've talked about stuff some stuff we've got angry about <laughs> and we've kind of gone well actually you know instead of sitting here going well how can I help you through that actually it's like well how can I help make this not happen for you or make this not happen for somebody else in future or or um how can we normalize talking about these things so a lot of the stuff we've covered has been things like menopause or fertility or baby loss and I think one of the things I'm most proud about is 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 the fact that through having a safe space where we can share that sort of stuff, we've kind of come to the conclusion, well, we shouldn't be sharing it just behind closed doors. We should be normalising that these things happen to, every, you know, to lots of people in the workplace and that we should be looking at how we can make it better to go through an experience like that at work and how we can su support people to help other people go through those things. So I think that's that's one of the things that's happened I think the other thing that's happened is is the met we've listened to the members so people have got involved and said I've got involved in this because because I kind of identified that this is a great a great thing to get involved with but actually I want to make a difference and it's kind of started off as, as me running it and then I've had a few more helpers and then we formalized into a committee and if you talk to all the committee the reason they're there on the committee is that they want to make a difference so I think those those kind of things have have, have fueled that change I think it's brilliant what you're doing I think it's it's great and it's just the power of people and and actually trying to get things done because for me through actually through doing the podcast and some of the guests that have come on that awareness um if I'd have had that earlier on in my career I know it would have made me a better leader of people as well you know so because you, you you think even if you're open-minded and have a growth mindset that you're include you're you're caring and inclusive of people in your team but then hearing about things for me it was hearing about um the menopause from uh sarah yeah and and just think going oh my god i one of the my first um when i was a team leader i think half of my first team were women in the age group where that was probably happening yeah. and as a 22 23 year old I had I had no idea you know no. and I think if we if that was part if that had been part of my training it would have made me a better leader it would have made me be able to um to help you know this kind of servant leadership isn't it you're there to support your your team through everything that they're that they're going through so even just in that small example your group is actually making a real positive difference. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we, I think we are really proud of that. Those sorts of things, those normalising things. I think it's so important. And and you know, it's like you say, menopause. It's such a taboo subject. It's so strange why it is. But virtually all of us were saying, well, our mums never talked to us about it when mm. it was happening to them. So how would we? How would we even know? And we're the we're the ones who are going to go through it at some point. And so if we don't even know about it, we don't even haven't been talked to about it. How you know what? How about everyone else? They wouldn't either. And um, there was a lady on um, 
on we had a really big session I think it was over 100, 100 people joined it and the lady in the chat you know it was anonymous chat said well I'm going through it now and I've not even talked to my husband about it and you just think mm. gosh it's so why mm. why we need to really really shake this up and change this because you shouldn't have to go through stuff like that on your own you know if you want to obviously it's your choice but you shouldn't have to you should have that support because yeah it's tough isn't it so yeah yeah i'm really yeah, i'm glad that we're, we're normalizing those kind of conversations definitely did you envisage it would be like this when you started the whole no, wave not at, all. not at all um i and i think this is this is a piece of advice definitely worth sharing i i kind of ummed and awed for a long time about even starting it um and i talked to a few different people and I always found an excuse not to do it and uh, it's it's funny I saw your LinkedIn post this morning kind of similar vibe isn't it of kind of if you're thinking about doing something just go for it because yeah. you're never going to be ready you're never going to have all the answers you, you're never going to get it perfect or right or even right half the time um, and I distinctly remember a conversation with a lady who said to me what what are you waiting for just just do it and I was like okay <laughs> and I went back to my desk and I just sent a I sent a meeting invite to all the women I knew that might be interested. And I said, right, meet in the canteen next Wednesday, whatever it was, and, and let's see what we can do. And I think there were eight of us, nine of us at that time. And now I think we're kind of 400 strong. So oh, isn't that amazing? <laughs> and uh, I didn't, I'd never imagined it would be that big, but now it's funny, isn't it? Cause now I'm, now we're at this stage. I'm like, right, it's not, it's not big enough we're not doing enough yet you know the kind of ambition is is still burning there to make it even better um and and I think the other thing I'm kind of you know I never really envisaged was the fact that there's been a bit of a spin-off as well so we've now got um recently we've got rave which is race at ferry as well um and there's an lgbt plus network um and, and there's pave as well which is parents at very so it's kind of had that had that knock-on effect of, of kind of opening opening the doors for other other networks as well and there's loads of intersectionality between the networks we do loads of stuff together we support each other and and that's just brought you know new friendships into my uh, life it's brought new kind of understanding for me as well about about things so yeah it's it's had loads of unintended uh consequences i could never force foreseen at the beginning we all love community don't we we all love yeah. um coming together and i think that kind of I can imagine before your first meeting thinking so many thoughts going through your head what's it going to be like is it what if it, people don't like it have I got enough space you know all of these different things <laughs> there's probably people listening now that have thought oh I wish we had something similar or I've thought about doing something similar and your message is right is just get going just just start and know that yeah it's not going to be perfect from the start it shouldn't be it would be weird if it was Absolutely. And, and yeah, it, it wouldn't, you know, you, like you mentioned growth mindset before, you've got to have that mindset that you're going to learn and you're going to develop and things are going to go in different directions or take tangents that you weren't expecting. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, 100%. Just just start, just do it. There'll be loads of things going through your head. Um, I think the other thing is as well is, is, is be kind of open and, and seek um, opportunity to, to understand and learn from others because one thing that really helped me was I, I posted it on LinkedIn, a picture of that first meeting. And then out of the blue, a lady who'd done something similar at a different business contacted me and she said, I'd love to share my learnings with you because I made loads of mistakes, the things I wished I'd known at the beginning, which, which I didn't. And I'd love to share them with you. And, yeah. and, and it was amazing. And I can't say that we didn't make the same mistakes, but, but her, her, um, words of wisdom and her guidance really helped they really really shaped some of the things that we did so you know there's always people out there who are willing to share and help and give you give you advice if you need it so absolutely reach out for that as well it's interesting isn't it because whilst you probably had some initial um targets it's often people get fixated with because i remember when i started doing this people one of the main the common questions was um what's your target what's the destination and yeah. it, in a simple way I'd say well there isn't really I've kind of the first one was just get it up and running the second is just keep going you know I don't really mm -hmm. have a, a, an end goal it's 
and it's that um the concept of just enjoying the progress and it's mm. the it's the doing of it that is the thing where you get the joy from rather than there being this i'm, I'm going to this target I, I, when i get there that's it yeah absolutely no i completely relate to that i think yeah i don't know again i don't know with wave what the, the target is what the aim is and i think but i think i think you're right i think you have to be really enjoying it, it has to be giving you energy to be able to kind of um carry on because it, it takes a lot doesn't it? it takes a lot of personal must take a lot of your personal commitment and time to, to deliver this but you you know you you must be getting something back from it in order to make that kind of you want to carry on with it really completely in the same and it's nothing like kind of I can't imagine what it's like to be think sometimes you catch yourself going there's 400 people in this in this now <laughs> and you're making you're making positive change and isn't that amazing yeah it, it it really is but it, it's funny because there's just this little moments there's little tiny moments that stand out you know to you that that remind you why it's really worthwhile and you kind of I kind of cling on to those a little bit really when when it's because it is tough sometimes it's hard to keep that energy all the time and it's hard to find the time outside of work and other things um so yeah you have to kind of you just have to kind of remind yourself of like all the positivity that's coming out of this and all of the you know I hope just hope for me it's still those personal moments it's if you help one person to to understand what they're going through is not unusual or that they're not alone or you've made help somebody to make a connection which might open the next door for them into the a new role or whatever it's those sorts of things that really really matter to me and still you know did at the beginning and still do now so and you I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said some of it is about awareness because I think and I know that um <clears throat> when I've spoken about this before other people have said they thought the same I think I was a bit complacent about our industry but I thought because I've worked for more female bosses than men, I've had more peers uh, that have been women than, than men, you kind of think that that problem exists outside of contact centres. Mm -hmm. But then when you actually speak to people, it couldn't, that, that isn't the case at all. And so these types of groups, I think, are, are great because you are driving real change. And that starts with awareness education understanding mm. I found out so much just from speaking to people like you the everyday sexism project you only have to read that for mm. that website for like half an hour and you're like holy moly this mm. is I can't even imagine what it's like to be subjected to these kind of like microaggressions all mm -hmm. all day long yeah because um, it's not been my reality yeah absolutely and it's so interesting isn't it with things like microaggressions sometimes I think you just become not not immune but it, it's just it's just life so you're just almost accepting of that and I think you need that disruption to go actually no this isn't this isn't okay this isn't right and it sounds really weird to say that out loud but I think you do get to that position sometimes where it's just that's you're just accepting of it because it's just what you've you've always encountered and um like say it's not until you start reading you start I think that's where it started for me to be perfectly honest I went to a few kind of seminars like sort of um that women were leading and I read some books I started reading some really interesting literature and it's just that educating yourself really understanding and that's what fuels you and gets you like actually yeah this is <laughs> this isn't this isn't enough this isn't right this isn't how I want the world I want to create for my kids or my friends or whatever so yeah you're, you're, well, more, more, more power to you and another <laughs> subject that um I'd love that you wanted to talk about was uh, mental health and in particular um OCD why was it that you wanted to talk about this I think um for me it goes back to what I was saying before about normalizing things and making it okay to talk about things because I experienced this so it's about 15 years ago now I received a diagnosis of OCD and I probably a lot of people who might listen to this won't know this about me so this kind of you know this is kind of stepping into a bit of wave territory for me but I it was really hard it was a really hard time of, in my life I found like really normal day-to-day -day stuff really tricky um but what what was most tricky was that nobody talked about it it wasn't a thing nobody really understood it people still do now use the term OCD in kind of you know a really flippant way um and 
and the, the hardest thing was, and I wasn't working for Very at the time, was that it was really brushed under the carpet at work as well. I did talk to my boss about it, who was who was supportive, but his kind of advice was, you probably don't want to be sharing this really widely because it might harm how people think of you and, and things like that. And looking back now, that was a real barrier to progressing and getting better. And it was also really hard to not see anyone else who was going through it because it made me feel really weird and abnormal and all of this sort of stuff. And I know now how common it is and how loads of people suffer from it. And um, I just I just thought this is a great platform to just, again, open up that conversation, just be really open and say, it's not, it's not weird, it's not abnormal. If you're going through something like that, there's loads of people who are. Um, and there's loads of help and support as well so I think I think that was why I put that on our, our kind of topic list really. Well firstly thank you very much for um, for sharing it and for for bringing it up um, it, you know when you said um, you got, kind of got that that diagnosis what had um, what had led up to that point in terms of you know how you were how you're feeling yeah. and when you got it did it was it was it helpful? Yeah so what led up to it was for me it started with like really really uh, intrusive thoughts it was it was very thought based at the time and again I didn't I know this now but I didn't know at the time there's different types of OCD so some of it is kind of purely the obsessive thoughts and some of it is where you have the uh, the behavioral side of it as well which leads to the kind of the, the, the compulsive element of it um I was having lots and lots of really intrusive thoughts. I couldn't kind of sleep. I couldn't, um, you know, I, I'd get fixated on things, which meant I couldn't really think about the stuff I was supposed to be doing. So day-to-day -day life. And, and I think fortunately for me, this was bef before I had kids. So I don't know how it would be so hard if you're, and I know people who do suffer when they, you know, when they've got babies and things like that, and it's really, really difficult. But um and then it kind of led to sort of, sort of, so one of the key things for me was about, I was kind of obsessed with this idea of harming people and that I was harming people unintentionally, but I had harmed them and not realized. So it led to lots of really strange behavior. Like if I drove anywhere, I might have to do the same drive about three or four times because I'd convinced, I was convinced I'd knock somebody over and I needed to go back and make sure I hadn't. And then and then I thought, well, what if I did that that second time I went? So I'd have to go back again. And and I think there was what well, another example I can remember is I bought um I was trying on some clothes in a shop and um none of them were right, none of them fitted. But I ended up having to buy all of them because I thought, well, if if I put these back into circulation and someone buys them, they'll get really sick because they've worn the same thing that I've worn. And and when, things like that happened I was just like right I, I do need some help now my, my boyfriend who, who is now my husband at the time was so supportive but there's only so much one person can do and then I that led to me thinking oh I'm going to contaminate him because he's going to start getting the same thoughts that I have because I'm in close proximity to him and and I think it was at that point we both realized we needed some sort of external support um I think it did really help getting a diagnosis in in some respects um but the hardest thing was that they the doctor said to me there isn't a cure for this and hearing that was like oh my, am I going to feel like this for the rest of my life because I genuinely don't think I can carry on if I feel like this for the rest of my life but what he meant was you can't just take some pills and it'll go away you have to work on the what's causing it and and you have to develop your resilience and you have to recognize what triggers it for you and, and all of that and at the time that sounded like really hard work when you're exhausted from the thoughts um but um I'm you know it's very rare now that I get re reoccurrences of it I do still sometimes but I really absolutely recognize what's going to set it off and I absolutely recognize what I need to do for myself to to make that less likely so you know really good sleep, really good exercise, looking after myself, not getting too stressed. Um, but also, you know, talking talking to the thoughts really helps as well. So if you recognize that that thoughts coming back, you're like, okay, hi, I, I hear you. I, you're an obsessive thought, you can just jog on. Um, and it sounds really stupid, but you no, develop your own little mechanisms to deal with it. Um, 
so yeah gosh I didn't really expect to get so uh, into that but um I just really hope that that anyone who is having anything like this can can kind of take some sort of a some comfort from knowing that you can kind of you can move through it and there's there's loads of support there but again normalizing it's dead normal it's so normal to have these kind of issues mental especially now after everything that everyone's gone through I, I just feel like there's such a tidal wave coming our way of, of mental health problems and I just really hope that you know everyone who needs it can get the support that they need to deal with it I, I can thank you so much I can guarantee you that someone listening will benefit from hearing you say this because it's 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 the thing about it it keeps coming up doesn't it it's about perception so people will look at you you're a senior leader you're successful you run other groups and you do volunteer work and all of these things and no one would associate that with the perception of uh, mental health and having a mental health challenge because I imagine there's a version of you right now maybe in a contact center who thinks that the the crippling aspect of having that mental health um, mm -hmm. challenge will stop them gaining or, or progressing through life in a happy way and getting and mm -hmm. reaching a happy place because they think I well you don't know because you haven't got what's what's in my head and yeah. hearing you hearing you say that and recognizing that it it takes work and support and mm. um, all of those things, but you can you can get through it. I think will be so powerful. Oh, I, I hope so. You, you, that use of the word crippling is so right. That is exactly what it's like. It's so all encompassing, and it just makes normal stuff really hot. Like the idea of getting out of bed and making a cup of tea. The thought mm. of that is like, I just can't. I just can't. And and I, yeah, I really hope. You know, and 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 you know, the offer is so genuine. And if anyone it, it does want to talk to me, I'm 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 absolutely there, and I can, uh, uh, you know, give the the benefit whatever of, of the experience. I would be so happy to do that if anyone wants to reach out. Honestly, a really, really genuine offer there. That's lovely. And you said something at the start actually that I think we, I when you said it, I kind of heard. I thought, oh God. Um, and I'm sure other people listening did as well about the flippant nature with which OCD, um, the kind of perception that's born around it from either films or, or, yeah. or, or whatever. And you just think, oh God. And it's, again, it's that, it's, a, it's an awareness. The more we talk about it, the more aware we can come to break yeah. down something that isn't true. Yeah. Well, not isn't yeah. true, but isn't, isn't in any way reflective of what you went through. Yes, absolutely, and 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 don't get me wrong. If people say say it, it doesn't really, you know. I'm like, whatever, it's fine. It's not a real big issue. But I think it doesn't help to sort of validate those feelings for people who are going through it. That it did. You know, it's not just about oh, I can't. I need to make sure my kitchen's tidy before I go mm. to work. It, it's mm. it's not that, you know. And that's how people use it. It is that kind of real crippling kind of. Um, you know sensation um so yeah like you say it's just that it's just awareness you can't expect everyone to know about everything we just need to we just need to keep talking don't we and keep 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 helping each other we do and I think we need to for me the next step is I, I saw a post on LinkedIn it was a lovely visual and it had like a the screen split in half on the left hand side the heading was physical illness and it had flowers, a get well soon card, chocolates. And then on the right hand side, it had mental illness. And there was mm. just it was just blank, oh, gosh, you know, yeah. and it was just yeah. that kind of I think we're far more accepting and we've progressed so much as a as a society. Yet I I still think and I know it happens every day. People will be off and maybe now they feel comfortable enough, hopefully, to be able to say this is a mental health reason that I'm off yeah but you will get I'm sure people kind of rolling their eyes mm. going oh really yeah. Can yeah. you not just you not just come in where well, you wouldn't say that yeah. at all if it was a physical physical illness so I still think we have a ways to go 
yeah I, I completely agree and and it's, it's hard isn't it I think it's really hard to relate if you've not been through that yourself uh you've you've not experienced that I, I understand it's hard to sort of see that and, and understand what it's like understand how hard it is to do stuff when you when you're feeling like that um and and so the only way that we can help people understand this by sharing our stories you know that's hard and as kind of <laughs> personal as they are I think that is that's 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 a got to go some way to helping people to, to kind of at least visualize it completely because I think right now you're just you're evidencing and showing you you're a you're a role model because someone can look at you and go well Lucy has had this and she's still done this and um, it's happened time and time again on the podcast, whether it's postnatal depression mm -hmm. or depression or anxiety. Lots of people have come on and um, I think bravely talked about their their experiences to show people listening that there is always hope and there is always a, a solution. It's you're not you're not stuck. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that whole. And I think that that was definitely how I felt that stuck. I, I did genuinely think, am I going to feel like this forever? And I think I said it before, I don't think I can carry on feeling like this forever. And that's a really horrible, dark place to be. And you wouldn't want anyone to feel like that. You'd, you'd absolutely want them to know that, that, that you there will come a day when you won't feel like this and it won't be this hard. And I think that is, that's, the, that's the message, isn't it? That's the message you want everyone to hear because that's so important. Did the other subject that you mentioned, which was kind of creativity, did that feature at all as part of um, coming through that? Yeah, I, th I think so. Um, I, I, it's always been a part of, of my life. I mentioned and I love kind of architecture and sculpture. My dad's actually, um, my dad's a painter. So I've always grown up with, you know, that around me and um even now I think when I'm getting it sounds silly but when I am recognizing those kind of triggers are happening for me reaching for the iPad and doing a happy color as <laughs> is, is kind of silly as it sounds is really helpful because no. it just gives you that something to focus on and something to lose yourself in um that's that's completely outside of um of what's going on in your head you know so I, I think it absolutely did it's always been a source of great kind of um joy to me and and I think the, the other thing that really helped was was getting out getting out into the fresh air getting out into nature and um for me a little technique is is getting um making myself feel really small which sounds silly so going oh, I like it. <laughs> on an empty <laughs> beach I'm really fortunate I live like 10 minute walk from the beach so standing on an empty beach and just looking out at the endless see and the cross of the, the, the sand and you realize that you there's so much else out there and there's so much else going on and what's happening in your head right now is a tiny 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 thing and there's just so much else to be joyful about and to, to kind of recognize and to see um but 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 yeah creativity is a huge part and I I kind of um I've always wanted to sort of kind of make that more and more of a part of my life um so I've actually been working on um, a colouring book. I've been, I've been making my own colouring book because I've I've I found a lot of from you know a lot of help and um, from the mindfulness colouring books and the happy colour and and that sort of thing. And I've wanted to try and sort of create my own version of that. So um, yeah, like going back to the earlier thread of just just do it, just yeah. do something. I've been thinking about it for a while, and I'm actually almost at a point now where I am going to um, I'm going to get it made. I've got print quotes of someone lovely uh serendipitous contact through linkedin has designed a cover for me and a logo and i'm almost ready to go so um how cool is that <laughs> i'm so excited but I'm, I'm in my own way at the moment I need to get out of my own way because i've got one last drawing to finish and uh i don't know it's that hardest the hardest bit isn't it that last one percent is the hardest bit so as soon as i've i've, I've done that it, 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 I'm gonna unleash it on the world and see what I happens. I can't wait. <laughs> I'll send I, you a I, <laughs> I cannot wait. I think it's brilliant, and I'm a firm believer in. Um, like I, I mentioned, I've mentioned before a couple of times. Um, it's probably about ten, seven, eight years ago now. I had, I was depressed. I, I had some things going on in my life that 
mm. led to me being depressed and um one of the one of the things that helped me me get out was just I went down to the range I think and just bought a load of canvases and spray paints uh-huh. and just started messing about and then yeah. it became something that um you can just feel when you need to do it yeah you know and then you just you start it's the same as anything the first ones were just you know there's no you can't you can't judge art I guess but the first ones <laughs> I look back at now and go did I really do that that's just I don't know what it is um but then you find a you find a way and you can just just again it's the process of doing it was just something yeah. that it kind of cleared my head just yeah. clear it things just without even thinking about it things just came out and whether that is you know designing coloring books or spray painting or sculpture or going outside it just finding something yeah is is the way out for sure or part part of the way out uh, yeah absolutely and it's got to be your thing hasn't it? it's got to be the thing that, that does it for you because yeah coloring books are probably not going to do it for, for for some people but they'll find they'll find the thing that gives them that that awakens something in them and kind of helps to helps to clear the you know the other stuff that's going on at least for a bit just give you that brain space to think about something else yeah I really really look forward to that coming out um (laughs) you've got to let let me know when it is I'm sure I'll see it on LinkedIn make sure you (laughs) make sure you push it out there um Lucy it's, it's been lovely chatting to you thank you so much for for sharing um your own journey the group and um, the challenge of OCD. I, I know you would have helped people. It's been it's been inspirational to to talk to you. Oh, thank you, Martin. Thank you so much. I've I've loved every minute of it. It's been a real a real pleasure. So thanks for asking me. No problem at all, Lucy. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm very lucky doing the podcast that I get to meet people that I just find uh, inspirational, and I think you'll agree that Lucy is definitely that. She's very genuine and very genuine when it comes to offering um, conversation and connection. So if you want to talk or know more about OCD, or if you'd like to know more about forming your own women's network and support group within your company, Lucy very much would like to hear from you. Please just contact her on LinkedIn. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And see you next week. Thanks very much.